in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. Randy with yours truly today. A little Masters preview, Masters week, Randy. Uh, we'll talk Masters in a bit. Let's start NCAA basketball. Let's do it. Let's do it. UConn Huskies, the national champions, 76-59, the victors over San Diego State. I was cheering for San Diego State. I think most of the country probably was, um, just with the way UConn had looked. The huge favorite coming into the game. I think it was a seven-point um, gambling favorite. I think they were minus seven. I don't know if that was the final line, but a, a more than a few point favorite uh, UConn, and they end up winning by double digits. It was a close game in the second half. SDSU cut it down to about a five point game with like ten minutes to go. Maybe After if, going like four, I think they missed fourteen shots in a row. Yeah, and that was the story for them. I have I didn't watch their first few rounds, but the last three, the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four games, uh, they're just going these long droughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, thanks to the offensive rebounds uh, on missed free throws in that first Final Four game against FAU. That's the only reason why they survived that um, were able to come back. And then, obviously, the buzzer beater was huge. They didn't lead uh, in that game until the buzzer beater. I think the, the last time they led was like the 14-minute mark of the first half um, mm-hmm. or something like that against FAU. And that was an awesome moment, probably the, be- the best moment of the tournament, I would say, um, second only to Noel's no-look uh, alley-oop against Michigan State in that Kansas State-Michigan State game, which was probably the second-best game that I watched, at least. Uh, but that FAU-San Diego State game, now I guess not super exciting. It was fairly high scoring for those two teams, 71-72, and then the buzzer beater uh, just added to it. But for, for the national championship, Randy, did it go the way you were thinking? Did you put any money on it? I didn't have any money on it, but, I mean, UConn, I mean, UConn was by far the best team in the tournament. I mean, I think... Uh, did they beat everyone by double digits? Was that, um, did, yeah. is, that is that the stat? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they, um, you know, and, and, and I didn't watch a ton of Big East basketball this year, but from, from some, of the, some of the stuff I've read and listened to, basically UConn was like a top five team for all, but I think it was like the month of like January to mid-February. They just didn't close the season great. Um, but besides that little blip, they were solid, um, just solid all year. Um, and they're just a fun team too. The that that they're physical, like they just they just looked like they were the whole tournament, every game. Like they just looked like they were playing like D two teams in a way. Like this always seemed like if if they got out to a lead, that no one was going to be able to come back on them. Yeah, and the only team that really had a chance to, and the closest game they had was the national championship and the defense of Brian Dutcher's team. Um, that 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 was the closest they had, and they handled that pressure just fine. It never got down to the final minutes, but uh, you know, with seven eight minutes to go, San Diego State still making a run and, and still playing really good defense, and uh, UConn. I think after the four under four timeout, um, the sideline reporter comes back and says if they don't turn the ball over, talking with you know, talking about UConn, they're going to win the national championship game, and that's basically what happened. Um, no more turnovers after the four-minute mark. UConn goes on to win it. Cool seeing Dan Hurley. He's kind of an electric uh, figure. <laughs> obviously, the long lineage of his brother being a great basketball player. His dad, obviously, a, a, a phenomenal coach. They outlined that tremendously, I thought, on CBS. Um, and Jim Nance's last Final Four, we can talk about that too. 
but overall, I thought it was a very good tournament. Some people not happy with the way the Final Four shook out in terms of a five, a four, uh, a five, and a nine seed. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. I, I didn't have any of those teams picked, but I, I thought it was pretty entertaining. I, I, I mean, we can get into it later when we talk the women's tournament, but, but I think the biggest difference I saw with men's and women's coverage this year is ESPN did such a great job on their women's coverage. And it helps too when you have a, your ESPN and you can do stuff on sports center, you know, on your, your other program throughout the day, but you know, probably starting that sweet 16, telling the stories about, you know, Miami and, you know, kind of that, uh, their underdog run to the elite eight, South Carolina's dominance, LSU and Kim Mulkey coming in, you know, in her second or third year now. Um, and what she's under that team, obviously Caitlin Clark, um, like that storytelling was there, you know, kind of once we got those final 16 teams down and I just didn't like, I didn't, didn't really feel connected. I think UConn probably had the best storytelling kind of around that team, um, you know, kind of going in those last couple of games, but I just feel like it's hard for a lot of people when you have the, you know, teams like SDSU, um, Miami, FAU, um, like, I just feel like it's hard for when you don't have the blue bloods, yeah. people, you know, the teams that people watch and follow all year, like CBS has got to do a better job of of telling those stories and, and, and creating that emotional connection. Because in this world of NIL and transfer, transfer portal, um, I mean, there's going to be so much more parity over the next 10 years. It's completely a new landscape. Yeah, I think you make a good point about, uh, people not having the, I guess, the brand recognition with the Final Four teams besides UConn, which has now won their fifth national championship in the last 24 years of ridiculous run um, with 16, three different head coaches. 16 combined men's and women's since 96, which is just dominance. So the women's uh, the one, won nine? The women have 11. Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or, yeah, 11, sorry. Yeah. Bad math. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dang, that's impressive. Yeah, I guess they had that long run with with Gino Ariema. Is he still and their head coach? They're still in it. I mean, UConn <clears throat> was the favorite going into this year, and then Paige Becker's obviously tore ACL. They have another stud on that team. I'm, I'm blanking on her name right now, but she had a season-ending injury. They're still a three-seed in the tournament, and they made it to the Sweet 16. But, wow. I mean, they're going to be back next year probably as, as one, of the, one of the big favorites. Yeah, and I guess it – in fairness to the point you made, the also the emotional connection you had to the women's tournament was because Iowa made such a magical run. And obviously being an Iowa fan, you're going to have a connection. Well, and yes, but I mean, just following, you know, like following women's basketball as I have this year and, and really since, you know, Megan Gustafson played at Iowa, uh, you know, three, four years ago now, um, like just seeing on Twitter, like how into people got, not just about the Caitlin Clark, for sure was the biggest draw, but Aaliyah Boston with, um, you know, in South Carolina, um, Angel Reese, obviously on LSU next year, Paige Beckers is going to be the big draw for, for UConn. Um, like there's, there's these entry points. Um, and also with, you know, in this world of NAL and how, you know, women never leave college early to go to the WNBA. Um, like these, these players are around for all four years. So it's not like, okay, like you get attached to one player and then they're, you know, they're off playing, playing in the NBA the next year. You can make those connections year over year versus uh, versus the men's where there's just, you know, like I'm trying to think of like who's who's the name of who's the name of the tournament. I feel like every year there's like that one. Like last year it was um, the mustache kid from St. Peter's. Um, 
I, I should know his name. I think Noel um, would be yeah, the, yeah, Noel, for sure. the five seven point guard. Yeah. Who and, might not even be five seven. Yeah. And and um and gosh, I'm so terrible with the name. What's his name for, for UConn? Um Sonogo. Sonogo, yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like those are the two players this year um that that we latch on to. Um that's like one of the things I was like out for every year in the men's tournament is like who's that you know who's that player who usually isn't from one of the blue bloods? He's not like a Kansas or a Kentucky player, like a someone who steps onto the scene. And you know, I think it kind of started with Steph Curry, mm-hmm. um, you know, over ten years ago now. But who's that? Who's that player who kind of captures the uh, the the hearts and minds of of the American public? And you know, I think if Kansas State would have gone would have made it to the Final Four, I think that would have helped ratings and you know probably viewership and all that a lot more than. Um, was viewership we got. was viewership way down this year, or something? I think I saw. I think the 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 Natty was. I want to say fifteen million last year and twelve million this year. Might have been more last year, but you know, last year you had you had, you had North Carolina and the yeah. North Carolina and Kansas in the final, like bluest of blue bloods, right there. Right. So um, a lot different, and and you had you had you had North Carolina Duke in the final four. Um, so. Um, yeah, I mean viewership was was definitely down. Um, Let's see so. here from the Athletic. The headline: uh, UConn San Diego State least watch men's title game. Why? That should come as no surprise. Monday's NCAA national championship game drew fourteen point six nine million viewers on CBS, according to Show Buzz Daily, making it the least watched title game men's title game on record. Here's what you need to know: viewership was down. 14% from last year's title game between Kansas and North Carolina, uh, which was on TBS, TNT, and True TV, um, which is cable, and obviously that doesn't... Wait, the, the Natty was on cable last year? Yeah, it was, um, what, which averaged what, what was 17. was going on on CBS? .05 million linear TV viewers. <laughs> they thought they could make more money, and clearly oh, they see. probably are going to go back to that model based on the numbers uh, here, unless there was some sort of conflict last year. I don't know. Um, in contrast, Sunday's women's title game between LSU and Iowa was the most watched women's basketball game on record. Um, I think it was, yeah, just shy. Was it 12 million, you said? It was 9.9 million, peaked at like 12, 12.5. And yeah, that's, let's see, the CBS television executives charged with broadcasting the NCAA men's tournament have been honest, have always been honest about the te- television realities of the tournament, what makes the opening round great when Cinderella's advanced, but at a certain point in the tournament, when it comes to historic television viewership, you want your teams that are proven TV draws. This was the least watched final. Should be no surprise, nor would I predict it's part of a long-term trend of declines, along with major upsets and one very unlikely finalist. The title game lacked any player projected in the lottery of this year's NBA draft. That's something to probably a big note there. Look for CBS and Warner Brothers Discovery Sports to put on a big press release in April 2024 when the viewership numbers jump big from this year. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, do we want do we want to talk about the the women's game? Yep. Real quick, or I, I mean, I'm, I'm yep. obviously the I don't I didn't watch it, but uh, I know it was a great game. The drama, obviously, I'll give my take on that because I did see that um, in the two different clips. Um, I think it's overall a very good thing for there to be a drama like that in women's basketball because it's going to bring more eyes um, to the game. Obviously, the the viewership numbers are through the roof, the highest-rated game ever um, in the NCAA Women's Tournament. But but those stories and rivalries definitely help spark a ton of viewership. 
So I think that's overall very good for the game. Now, to me, it looked like two kind of different scenes, Caitlin Clark doing it, I think, away from the opponent, not necessarily in their face. But, again, I didn't watch it in real time. The second one where the girl, uh, Riley, I think her last name is, did Reese. it back to Reese. Is it Reese? Angel Reese. Yep. Angel Reese. Uh, Reese did it back to her, was a little bit more dramatic, and definitely was seeking out the conflict there you got uh two minutes and we got to go on to masters we don't get that much time sound good yeah uh, i mean i think caitlin clark was on espn today and you know i and i think she said it perfectly that you know the media and you know these people who are new to college you know women's college basketball are trying to make something out of nothing you know she said that they're all competitors and you know she likes to dish it and she can take it so um i think the biggest thing for me coming out of you know two great games um for iowa um you know, and, and for greater women's basketball is, um, you know, I heard it on Lebetard yesterday that, you know, this this could be a, like the magic bird moment of 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 women's women's college sports, which is which is insane to think about. But <clears throat> I mean, these teams are so talented. I've already heard rumblings of scheduling a non-conference game, maybe a neutral site, maybe someplace like Memphis between Louisiana and Iowa for um, for next year. Uh, my parents got a notification this morning, their women's basketball season ticket holders, that um, they have received, basically it sounds like they're going to sell out Carver Hawkeye Arena for season tickets, the whole arena, which they haven't done for men's in like over 20 years. Like no no women's basketball team, even the Yukons of the world, sell out their season tickets, which is absolutely insane. Caitlin Clark is on pace, and this is all in on this. Caitlin Clark is on pace next year, assuming she doesn't get injured, to break uh, Pistol Pete's record, uh, men's or women's points in a career. Um, she'll be most likely at the end of the next year top five in assists for a career, men's or women's, and she's probably going to use that fifth year. Um, so, I mean, she'll, she'll break that record in four years, but in that fifth year, I mean, she's going to get to 4,000 points. Like, this is going to be one of those unbreakable records, partially because of the COVID year, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, in men's or women's sports where she's going to live in the history books forever. I think she's going to wow. go down as... Um, the greatest women's college basketball player of all time. Again, assuming no injury. Uh, I've, I'm not biased at all, but um, you know, just just excited for next year. And um, and you know, the the football team doesn't have a lot to get pumped about in Iowa. The men's basketball team doesn't have a lot to get pumped about. So uh, we're all about that that, that women's hoops. Well, there you go. Some cool nuggets there for sure on the women's tournament. But the LSU team. The victors in that one. Let's talk a little Masters. It is Masters week here. You're probably getting ready to put some money down for your office pool. Hopefully you haven't sent in your picks yet because our golf expert, Randy, is going <laughs> to give us his in just a moment. The favorites coming in, obviously, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, all those names in the mix for the top betting favorites. I think Rory was uh, Rory and... Scotty, we're both tied, Rory's, I believe, and Rory's then Rom right one. Yeah, Rory is number one. Scotty's second, and 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 Rom is, Rom is third. I think, like I saw some sports books out there offering like any of those three to win, like plus one fifty. Mm. Like it's it's that's not all, good. all all the money out there is that it's a dead heat between those three. I think Rory's the one of those three that I'm the most shy about and also i mean scotty's the best player in the world right now he's been playing it all year rom got off to a great start this year he's cooled down a little bit you know he's had some driver problems spraying a little bit left and right but he can get away with that a little bit more at augusta Uh, but yeah those are your three big favorites um favorites going into this week 
You want me to just jump right into to, to the picks that I got? Uh, yeah, week? so just to give uh, – you, most of the pools work the same, but you pick one player. Um, <clears throat> let's see where I have it. You pick one player in the, like, the 1 through 10 um, on the world golf rankings, and then you get an 11 through 20, um, 21 through 30, and, and so on and so forth, depending on how many picks you have. What is your – do you have it tiered like that? Yeah, I mean, I've I've got I've got picks. Um, I've got some picks for a pool, and then I've also got here. I'll um, I'll, I'll get into those. Get into the picks second. Um, for for pools first, I just want to um, I'll dish out my um, uh, we'll call them my um, my sprinkles for uh for straight bets. If you uh if you live in a uh a, a state that you can bet legally in, so. These are all top twenty. I don't like betting. I don't like going after top five, top ten winner bets. Um, I feel like there's a lot more value um, with guys. We'll call it on the fringe. You know, with a top fifteen, top twenty, top thirty, make or miss the cut. So the four guys I like to make the top twenty this week: uh, Cameron Young, minus one thirty-five, hits the ball a country mile. It's going to be wet this week, uh, probably all four days, um, and when it gets wet at Augusta. Being able to carry that driver 320, 330, 340 yards and being able to hit those irons just sky high, um, you're going to be set up leaps and bounds head of the field. So love Cameron Young, top 20 minus 135. Tyrrell Hatton's been playing well. Um, so has Justin Rose. Uh, surprised to see their odds um, a little further down. Justin Rose obviously won uh, at Pebble Beach. Not the strongest competition, but it's still it's still one on the PGA Tour still win at Pebble Beach. Um, and at FanDuel, you can get both of those guys plus 120, top 20 for plus 175, plus 180. Um, and then the, the the fourth guy I like for top 20 um, is is an amateur. Uh, Gordon Sargent, the stud out of Vanderbilt, um, he got a special exemption as an amateur to compete because he's just so good. Uh, Data Golf, which I love. If if you're looking for a good resource out there for golf betting outside of the Masters, Data Golf is a great resource. They have him as the 98th ranked golfer in the world, um, pro or amateur. Which, considering he's only playing amateur tournaments, I think says says a lot about his game. Um, so those are those are my four top 20 bets that um, that I uh, that I love. Um, and then just just keep keep marching down the line. Uh, two guys I like to miss the cut, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, plus 310, um, and Will Zalatoris, plus 290. These are two guys that had some injury issues the past uh, six months. Uh, Zalatoris has had to change his golf swing because of his back issues, um, and he still has those those putting yips. I know he's played great around, um, he's played great around Augusta, but I just haven't seen the form in him over the past uh, past three months. Um, Talking Matsuyama, be, right? Uh, Zalatoris. Zalatoris, Zalatoris. Uh, Matsuyama had to withdraw from the uh, World Technologies uh, match play uh, due to an injury, um, but then for some reason played the Valero Texas Open last week. I think he finished like tied for 40th, uh, but still I think, um, you know, he's... Um, he hasn't played great this whole year, um, and I, I, I don't know if he, he gets it done, and I think there's some value in there, plus 310, uh, for him to uh, to miss the cut this week. I don't, I, I'm going to go the other way on Matsuyama. Just because he's outside of the top 20, he's at number 21 for the moment. If you're in a pool where you got to pick every 10 spots or whatever, top 10, top 20, top 30, I, I kind of like this pick here at 21 because, one, he is a defending, not a defending, but he is a – uh, Masters champion two years ago, 
his putting, his strokes gained putting the last three weeks. Uh, he gained a total of 9.3 total strokes putting versus the field and finished fifth uh, at the Players' Championship. I mean, that's a good sign there. The injuries, yes. But then you look at his recent Masters performance, 11 of the last, um, excuse me, 10 of the last 11 appearances, he's made the cut. So I don't know, Randy. He's also got the experience. <laughs> he's played 42 rounds, just 31 years old. Um, so we'll see on Hideki. I don't hate him for like a tier three yeah, pick. And, and 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 again, I think yeah, I think there might be you know if if, if you're in a master's pool, um, like I don't think it's a terrible pick. But again, when when you look at the odds for just making or missing the cut, um, because there's only 88 golfers, um, there's so few guys, or it just the you can get some great odds for guys to miss the cut versus for make the cut. And you have to go all the way down. It's really only like the bottom. 10 golfers, you know, the guys who right. won it 20 years ago where it's, you know, plus 150 to make the cut. I think there's, I think there's some value in, in him plus, um, you know, plus 310, um, to maybe sprinkle just a little bit on it. Just, just in case he doesn't, he doesn't have that form this week. Um, at least in my, my, my pool that I'm in. And again, everyone's different. I know mm-hmm. some go off of world golf ranking this year. I know with, with live and how that's kind of, you know, changed the world golf ranking, um, I know others go by odds, so it's the first top top ten um, people on odds. The one I'm in, it's it's a little bit of a hybrid. So, like, there's only we, you choose golfers from tiers, and there's only three golfers in tier tier one. Um, and I think how it's done is based off of guys who are you know plus one thousand or less. So, okay. tier one obviously Scheffler, Rory, Rom. I like Scheffler out of those three. I don't know who who you pick. It's tough to bet against Scheffler. I mean, obviously, the defending champ, he's playing better from a stats-wise. I think it's like 2.58 strokes gained putting, or strokes gained tee to green, which is uh, leaps and bounds better than Rom right now. And Rory's up there, but not nearly as good with Scotty. And I don't know how you can bet against this guy right now. He's winning everything. He's got the demeanor where it seems like he's just going to go like, huh, there's another Masters, you know, like he just doesn't really get too high or too low. It just kind of, it is, it's the almost the exact opposite of the way Jordan Spieth plays, who <laughs> is the fourth favorite um, at plus 1800 on MGM. Uh, but which the, is absurd, by the way, which is which just is absurd, absurd, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it. The man <laughs> is, I mean, I got his finishes up here from this season. Let's go through them right now. So he missed the cut at the World Golf Classic match play down in Austin. Week before that at the Valspar, finished third, then finished 19th. Before that, he at the blew, players, he blew the Valspar. He 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 just absolutely blew that. He he should have won that tournament. Finished fourth at the Arnold Palmer, got cut at Riviera. Finished sixth at the Stadium Course at TPC. Sixty third at Pebble, got cut at the Sony Open, and then a couple of. So it's either it, it's a top ten finish or he's missing the cut. That's the case in the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six tournaments he's played in. It's either yeah. a. Uh, what's actually been a, either a top six or missed the cut. Um, yeah. and, for, and he plays great at Augusta sometimes. If you can get the putting down, um, you know, those 10 to 20 footers, there's nobody better in the world uh, th- than Jordan Speed. Yeah, I think, like, kind of getting into those tier, you know, the, those second tier guys right now, you know, everyone from Speed to Cantlay to JT, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Max Homa. I think the two guys that I would stay clear of are are Spieth again because I think just the variability there is just too high in a pool. I think there's there's much more consistent guys yeah. out there. 
Um, and then Justin Thomas, who just has been playing well this year. I think the stat was he's lo- he's lost 10 yards on his driver since last year, which mm-hmm. just doesn't make any sense with you know how these guys just hit the ball farther every you know year after year. The fact that he's um, you know he's getting outdriven by 40 yards by Tiger at Riv, um, like just something something's up there. Um, and his putting, you know, like JT is the type of golfer where if he has a top 20 putting week, he's gonna win you know, six tournaments in a row, like what was that, four or five years ago when he won six or seven times, he just had an unreal putting year. The putting isn't better this year, doesn't have that length off the tee. I don't like him in that second tier of golfers. Um, I think Jason Day is is an interesting one. Um, he's you know increased 100 spots in the world golf ranking in the last six months, which is pretty hard to do. Just been consistent week in, week out. Um, I don't know if you have his his master's uh, results up. Um, but if you ignore the past couple years where he just hasn't been in great form, um, it's a, it's a place that he's always played well at when he's, when he's been playing good golf. So, um, he's, uh, he's the guy in that tier I like. And then my, yeah. And he's swinging it right now from a stats percentage from like shots, um, strokes gain putting T to green. He is the top 10 player in the world yeah. right now. Yep. Um, he's been playing unbelievable. Definitely some value there. I think he's the 35th, and the world golf ranking. Yeah, he's 35th, but the way that world golf ranking, you know, takes into account the past year. All right, it I mean, takes he's, time to move he, up, yeah. but I'm saying that's good value there yeah. for a tiered, oh, for sure. a tiered based uh, pool. Speaking of good value, I know you got something else here, but I like Dustin Johnson a lot at plus 2,500. I mean, he obviously doesn't have the competition rounds recently, and he's 68th in the world. So if you got to pick somebody deep in that spot, I like picking him a lot. Um, and obviously, the world golf ring is all messed up, like you mentioned, uh, with Liv not getting any points or whatever. Um, so that puts DJ way down on the on the uh, OWGR list, but there's some value there. Yeah, I mean, if 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 your pool is based off of OWGR. I think you you have to take DJ there. You got to. I like. I just. I think. I think DJ and Cam are the only two live guys that I'd even sniff. Um, besides, I mean, they played last week at a at a Muni in Orlando, like a daily fee Muni as their as their Masters prep. Um, like it's, um, and a lot of these guys haven't been playing well. But I mean, Cam Smith. It's in his interview yesterday. At least sounded, um, sounded pretty pumped. To I think he, he didn't. This isn't an exact quote, but he was. I think he was trying to say like it's it's nice to play a it's nice to play a course that I'm actually gonna have to think and like it's actually gonna challenge me a little bit. I think mm-hmm. he he likes that challenge. So those are the only two live guys that I would I would touch with a ten foot pole. I'm excited to see Joaquin Neiman back with all the uh, big names as well. When does he tee off? Let's see if I can find his group here. Um, I know Spieth is the last group of the day. Let's see Joaquin teeing off at noon Central Time on Thursday with Tyrrell Hatton and Brian Harmon. Um, let's see who yeah. they got DJ with. Corey Connors and Justin Rose and DJ at 12-12. That's the next group off um, after that Harmon-Neiman-Hatton group. And then let's see what other good groups. Scotty Scheffler, Max Homa, 12-36. They're playing with Sam Bennett. Is that the name that you like? Yep, Sam Bennett, so you won the USAM last year, so he's obviously playing with... Um, as per Masters tradition, last year's last year champion Sam Bennett. I, I I'm not the biggest fan of him. Gordon Sargent is the amateur that uh, uh that I like. Um, other guy I like. He he was the winner last week at in, in Texas uh, is the Canadian Corey Connors. Um, he's finished in the top ten the past three years at Augusta. Um, just you know he's he's still a younger guy. Um, or I shouldn't say necessarily he's, he's 31, but he's 
uh, that used to be young on the PGA Tour, but um, he's only been, you know, playing majors for the past four years now. And, um, you know, his last three results are I think T10, T8, T6. Um, so I think he's, with his win last week, he moved up to, uh, to I think, the 25th ranked player in the world. So um, there's probably some other guys in that tier, again, if you're doing an OWGR ranking um, that you could get um, that are probably a little bit more reliable. But if if your pool goes off of odds, um, I think he's down there in like the plus two to 3,000 range. Um, I, he, I think he's a surefire guy. I have him in my pool as a guy, um, as a guy this week, um, expect him to light it up. Uh, Rory playing with Tom Kim and Sam Burns. That'll be a fun <laughs> group to fun watch. fun group for sure. <laughs> Interesting pairing did, did, there. That's the second to last group of the day. Um, and then Spieth, Tommy Fleetwood, Tony Finau, the last group. They tee off at 1 o'clock on Thursday to kick off day one of the Masters. Yeah, I thought, you know, some of the the – the, the pairings I loved, you know, obviously Augusta hasn't been, they're not thrilled about live. And I think they're more, the reason they're not thrilled is they just don't like the, um, the bifurcation of, of, of men's professional golf. And I think obviously with their past relationship, their longstanding relationship with the tour, they obviously would prefer that the PGA tour be the, the one-stop shop for men's professional golf globally. Um, but if you look at some of these pairings, so like going, Cam Smith going, well, it's less, we'll hit that one. Yeah, we'll hit that one. But I like, um, I like Kevin Na going off at, at 8 a.m. Eastern time group one with, with, uh, with Canadian, uh, Mike Weir. Yep. Uh, who's actually, <laughs> believe it or not, I was just looking who is behind some of like, so he, so Mike Weir is the fifth to last guy on the list here and people with better odds to win the masters than Mike Weir, Fred couples, uh, a full plus there. Let's see. Mike Weir is plus 200,000. Fred couples <laughs> is plus 1500,000 150,000 rather. Um, Matthew McLean, the amateur from Northern Ireland, he's plus a hundred thousand. So he's twice as likely to win the masters as Mike Weir. And then I'll burn hard Langer way up there too. Ben Carr, another amateur, Sam mm-hmm. Bennett, Gordon Sargent, the guy you like. Anyway, a lot yeah. of names above Mike Weir on the list there. And then I love uh, going off just um, just a couple uh, a couple of groups later is is Sandy Lyle uh, playing in his final <laughs> Masters. I think he's like sixty five, sixty six. He's probably down there in the bottom five guys. Uh, some of the some of the stuff that I heard this week is like he's hitting three woods into over half of the holes. Oh my god! And like that includes par threes and, and par. Uh, um, par fours. Apparently, he had a driver uh, on on hole four, the par three. This is D shot, two hundred forty yard par three. Um, so Sandy Lyle is playing with um, with live golfers Jason Kokrak and Taylor Gooch, uh, That's which a hell of a group right there. <laughs> which is just, I mean, it's it's it must be so like these guys. Obviously, they 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 strive on competition, and and you know, for me personally as a golfer, I've always found that I play better golf when I play with better golfers and I, I have to imagine oh, that's professional golfers yes. yeah, I, yeah that's 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 pretty universal and you know for those guys taylor gooch a guy who last year i think was top 15 betting probably for the masters i don't know what he is this year um but to, to have to, to have taylor gooch you know lugging around sandy Lyle. Yeah, t14 last year yeah i mean it's um that's that, that's a pretty terrible draw for the gooch man that's definitely very tough um, for him, I mean, it's all going to come down to for the live golfers is going to come down to Cam Smith and and probably DJ. The only two that really have any chance in, you know, Cam Smith yeah. obviously 
leaps and bounds higher on the chances list than Dustin Johnson. But yeah. and, and what was that Cam Smith pairing you were talking yeah, about? Yeah, let me get back to it. I got to scroll I down. It was it Hideki and, and it was Hideki and then uh Another oh Sunjay Sunjay Sun M yep which I think you know what I wouldn't be surprised that's if, a good pairing I mean f- as yeah. far as talent wise but it's just I I don't know if I know Hideki doesn't speak English I'm assuming Sung to Sunjay speak a little English yeah and I think Hideki does speak English but it's a well yeah he doesn't to the media at least yeah it's like a long it's it's a Japanese um, athlete thing where like they um, there's a fear of being misquoted if you if you speak in english and then the, tra- the translation doesn't get back right and the yep. japanese media is ruthless so um like you've seen with baseball players anyway um i think the reason that grouping is i'm sure that there is special masters coverage in asia oh that could that be that'll be like the feature yeah that'll australia be australia like, too yeah exactly similar yeah. time zone yeah, yeah that makes so, sense, and that'll I be guess. like a, a featured group yeah. in the masters app in you know in in asia that's yeah. that that's my guess because the masters is is so global yep um how about the bryson pairing bryson with uh friends Frances- Frances- and, 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 and jt post the postman i think so last year DeShambo, i think DeShambo last year lost to larry mize who is like 65 years old and playing with playing in his last masters this oh, year see. and um <laughs> and as like as you pull that up DeShambo has not been playing well in live at all i mean he's spraying the driver all over the place. I mean, he still hits at a country mile, but he's like his his variability is 60, 70 yards, um, which even at a place as open as Augusta, you can't get away with. Um, and just, I mean, he talked about it the other day that his game is just is just not there. And this is coming from a guy who two years ago called this place a par 67. Yep, <laughs> and, and then didn't make the cut. Yep, yep. Um, so here's his master finishes over the last that's 2016 so his best finish coming in 2016 a t21 finish and that was as an amateur right uh was that was that his first masters um he's making his seventh appearance in his debut he earned yeah low amateur honors <laughs> yeah in 20 and in 2019 he shared the opening round lead with brooks kepka anyway t21 as an amateur then he turned pro missed the uh, Masters in 17, comes back in 2018, T38. Then in 19, he goes T39. 2020, T34. 21, T46. Last year, missing the cut, and now this year, we'll get a chance again. Um, of those rounds I just mentioned, though, Andy, only three of them in the 60s. He had a 66 back in 2019, round one. He had a 69 in 2020, round three. In 21, he had a 67. Everything else in the 70s, mm-hmm. not uh, not quite. Yeah, what do you say? 60s par 67. Yeah, is that what he called it. <laughs> last year, last year he shot 76, 80 to uh, to lose to uh, lose by one stroke to uh, Larry Mize, <laughs> past champion, and two strokes to Fred Couples. Um, which he, he, Bernard Longer beat him. I mean, all the old guys <laughs> were beating him last year. So. Yeah, I think, and I think you stay away from you stay away from him again this year. Yep, certainly. So, any other Masters talkers? I mean, we haven't talked Tiger at all. Tiger. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, like, I think at the end of the day, Augusta is all about not making bogeys and and finding the birdies. I mean, I think if you look at like the, um, you know, going back the past couple of years, um, the winners of the Masters have. I mean, this is true for a lot of golf tournaments but i mean it's if you don't make bogeys then you're gonna have a good you're gonna have a good score and last year if you avoid doubles which can also get you in big trouble um at augusta in particular 
Um, I think like over the past couple of years, the only champion to have a double bogey is Scotty last year when he four putted 18 to still win by multiple shots. Yep. I mean, um, and I think Tiger knows more than anyone how to avoid bogeys at this place. And it's just a matter of if the birdies fall. And I think if the, I mean, we'll see with the, with the conditions, the rain in the forecast, we saw it two years ago when Hideki won, when we got that rain on Saturday, really softened up the course, um, allowed scoring to, to be favorable for those guys. But also there is that mix of they're trying to get the guys through. So they, they, they didn't, they got him back on the course sooner than they would have wanted to. So I think it's going to be, it's it's going to be a big week for Augusta, that grounds crew, and that's those subair systems underneath those greens. Um, but I think if if the scoring is if the scoring is low, that plays into Tiger's favor. And I'm when I say in his favor, I'm talking like making the cut, top twenty. I mean, I don't think um, it's it's hard to see him as really competing last this year. Even the last year after the second round, he was only four shots off the lead. Um, but I just think. Um, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a spectacle as it always is. I'm gonna be watching his Fiji group coverage all day Thursday morning, Friday afternoon. Um, he's gonna be that big draw. I think more than anything, we just want to see him playing on the weekend. Certainly. So, winning the score. Well, I mean, I think. Um, I like. I think the conditions. I like to think the conditions are going to be. Um, Tough for scoring this year, so I think um, I like minus twelve. Um, minus ten is that the winning score last year? Two seventy eight for Scotty. Oh, what's well, par? Two eighty eight. It's uh, par seventy two. So yeah, so the two eighty eight for four rounds. Yep. Yeah, so so I guess it was only minus so ten last minus year. 10 last year. Yeah, I mean, I get it's just, again. It's so hard. It's so hard to to handicap with with the conditions the way yeah. they are. What's like, the, what's the weather looking like? How how many days of rain? Uh, um, rain, rain all four days. Oh, boy, um, okay. So, and then, and then you also because there's a certain amount of rain. I'll let you pull that up, um, and I'll talk for a second. Well, there's a certain amount of rain that's good. I mean, if it comes overnight, the players are going to like that as long as it's not super heavy. But they like the soft greens. I mean, that is going to open up the scoring tremendously. But if you get too much rain, then that causes issues as well. But what do you got? Yeah. So Thursday, right now, no rain in the forecast. Um, wind's supposed to be three to nine miles per hour with gusts up to twenty. Um, so probably not, probably not too bad. Looks like the wind will be up in the morning. So those guys going off early Thursday morning might be on the worst end of the draw. And then Friday looks like there's rain coming in the afternoon. So again, we could begin into a little, you know, if you're teeing off Thursday morning, Friday afternoon, you might be on that wrong side of the draw. Um, it looks like it's going to be, yeah, it looks like there's rain right now all, almost all afternoon, but some of the reports I've read is that it might be just drizzles, um, gusts up to 26 miles per hour on Friday, um, Saturday. And then this is also, you know, Saturday, the high is 53, um, and and Sunday the high is sixty one, and that's you know that's not till you know that high doesn't get up there till six o'clock, so mm-hmm. you know towards the end of the day. And and when it gets cold, it's it's harder to hit the golf ball, and and we've seen that in over the past twenty years is there's a pretty strong correlation between cold weather and in high scores. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, again research I've done in the past <laughs> one and a half minutes on yep. on air. Um, I like minus 10 again. Like I, I still feel like Scotty and Rom and Rory are playing at such a great level that one of them 
you know, one of them might just light it up this week and, you know, win by a couple strokes. But um, I think the lowest cut, the, the highest cut, uh, cut score over the past five years is, is six over. And the lowest has been uh, even par, I think, in 2020. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, though, even if it's the score is the same last year, if that cut line is still pretty high. I think there's going to be a wide variability in scores. Yeah, I, I think it all depends on how much rain they get there and then how the wind affects it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I, I think a, a good number, right around 10, 11, 12, I would mm-hmm. say that's where I'm going to find my uh, my tie-breaking score, somewhere around there. Um, but we got about a minute left, so let's just talk Twins for just a second before we run out of time here, Randy. Twins 4-0 to start the season. They are trailing right now as we speak, though, heading to the ninth inning, down a run to the Miami Marlins. Um, pitching, though, for them is Alcantara, the Cy Young winner. But the Twins off to a good start. Obviously, 4-0, small sample size, but you can't win them all if you don't win the first four. <laughs> Joey Gallo, probably the biggest story right now. Three home runs for him this season so far. He does have two strikeouts today, and that's kind of the story for him. But if you can keep the home runs up and the average around 200, if you can get it, I, I mean, the percentage of the times that he hits the ball is pretty low, but when he hits the ball, it's almost always going for a home run. So certainly a lot to, to be excited about in boys of summer. And and real quick, pitch clock, fantastic for baseball. Yes. Yes, it is. Game time's way down. Hopefully that continues through the hot summer months. I imagine it'll start trending back the other way once we get to some really hot games. But we're almost all out of time. Enjoy the Masters. We'll be back next week. Go Jordan Speed. Go Jordan Speed. See you all then.
tell your children not to do what I have done. Spend your lives in sin and misery in the house of the rising sun.